All right, good morning, Lake Point Church, and everyone who's uh, listening online, if you're listening through uh, Facebook or our website, we are delighted that you are able to join us uh, right now. And I, I know that there's people listening because we have some families that couldn't even get here today, uh, people who live kind of up a little bit north of Cartersville and have really steep driveways and aren't able to get here, and so we welcome you uh, online. But obviously, we welcome everyone that's here today, all of our uh, regular tenders and, and guests. My name's Frank Bennett, lead pastor here at Lake Point Church, and so delighted to be in week five of the Guardians of the Family series. This series is something that is very dear to my heart because like many of you in this room and listening online, uh, you have a family. And so with that comes lots of conflicts, lots of things you've got to maneuver, and it also comes with fighting inside. And so today, we're going to look into, uh, into the, that fighting and the weapons and who we should be fighting and who we should not be fighting and what all that looks like. And just as a recap on the, this series, we, we began this series uh, with the, the, the simple statement of invitations are more powerful than invasions. When you invite something into your home, it's more powerful than what you're trying to defend. And I know sometimes uh, it's easy to bring the very things you're trying to guard against into your home, and that's when things get really, really tough to defend because uh, your defenses are down because you invited that. Week two, we talked about uh, being a maverick, sort of a family that sort of does their own thing. When, when times get tough, it's easy for for when, when times get tough or, or you know, embarrassing things happen in the family or, or whatever, it's easy for, for someone to move away, uh, further away from the family of God, as we saw in, in our passage of Scripture in week two. And uh, the, the takeaway for that week was true guardians of the family are not mavericks who do their things on their own when times get tough. They surround themselves with other guardians in the church. You and I, we have guardians to help us. And so we cannot just go off and do our, uh, everything on our own. Our third week, we talked about first line of defense. That first line of defense is a marriage, okay? And, and I know there's people who, who are married in here who are not married and uh, will one day get married. Um, but I wanna let you know, that first line of defense is, is huge. It's very crucial. And uh, that first line of defense needs to be unified um, unified together because when Jesus said when the, the two will become one flesh and so when you're one flesh you're one and we need to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength every part of who we are we need to love it as one person so we need to be unified uh, in, the, in the front because if we're not unified um, then the enemy will and our kids not saying that the kids are enemies sometimes it can feel like that the kids, enemies, they can see right through that division. So um, if your kids see your passionate and unified love for God as the main reason for guarding your family, then they will see the integrity of your mission and respect your decisions. And then last week we talked about sort of the repetitious uh, things that go on within the, uh, within the family um, in regards to kids. You could probably record about 10 phrases and then just play them back because it seems like we say the same 10 or dozen things over and over again every week in our home. And so I just want to just put a robot of myself and just, it just says one of those things at random and, uh, and the kids 
will probably still not obey that. But you know, just like a, a Groundhog Day experience, it just kind of keeps repeating and repeating over and over again. And then you're trying to, what you're trying to do is you tell the kids, look, I'm trying to guard you against um, what's going to come into to your heart and into your life. And so we set up all of these guardrails. We set up all of these boundaries. We set up all of these systems. But you know what we found last week? It's really not about that. It's really about what's in the heart. And so I really came to the understanding and really the conviction of the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, saying, look, Frank, those boundaries are great. I love your tech gadgets. That's awesome, how you can track your kids and, and see when they're coming in and leaving or what they're, you know, control their internet. That's cute and all, but really, I would love for them to love me, to fall in love with me. Teach them or put them in a position to fall in love with me. Because if they fall in love with me, Frank, if they fall in love with me, they're going to want to obey me and not you. And really, that's the goal. We want to raise God-pleasers, not parent-pleasers. We want to raise God-pleasers, not parent-pleasers. And the, the, the obedience of your kids falls apart because of what is in their heart. You need to do everything you can to point everything to Jesus. So we need to watch what we bring in our home. We, we don't need to stray away from the church when times get tough, crazy, messy. We need to be strong and spiritually unified together as a couple. We need to focus on our kids falling in love with Jesus so he can be their ultimate filter. For today's message, I want us to focus on, on how to identify the real enemy. And y'all, this message, this message is huge today. And the reason why is because not only in our family, but I know in many of our families in our church and beyond, people that don't even go to our church, people I meet in the community, it's like we're just fighting each other. Students, I'm going to be speaking to you. Parents, grandparents, I'm going to be speaking to you. Husbands, wives, dads, moms, we're, I'm going to be speaking to everyone here today. And it seems like we keep fighting and fighting it over and over again, but guardians of the family know how to identify the real enemy. There's an enemy out there that wants to see your family fail, and he has done an amazing job at getting after families and making them fall flat on their face. It happens over and over and over again. Let me tell you something. Satan, and Satan's real. If you don't believe that Satan is real, uh, then you're very naive. <laughs> There's a dark power in this world. It's all over scripture. And let me let, me let you know something, that when, when Satan is in this world, he's not just here on vacation. God didn't send him on this planet to just hang around and, until uh, hell is, is, is finished and created and, and at the end of time when he uh, bans Satan and all of his demons to hell, which hell was created for Satan, not for us. So he's not out here on vacation, you know, in, in, in the mountains in, in, in Colorado. No, Satan is on the attack. 
And he can't stand your family. In fact, he hates your family. Especially if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you long to be a God pleaser and to raise your kids to follow Jesus, the devil can't stand you. He hates you. And he is after you. Isn't that comforting to know? <laughs> Scary. But there's no reason for us to be scared as we move on in here. You know, the reason why it can be a little scary is because we can't really see them with our natural eyes. We can't really see them with our natural eyes. You know, it, 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 we fight a war that can't really be seen. Paul, I mean, uh, the writer of Hebrews shares this in Hebrews 6.12, and it says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So rulers, authorities, and power. Rulers, authorities, and power. The devil, Satan, is a ruler over this earth, over the air, has authority, and he has power. And he is after you. And he is after our families. He would do everything, anything possible to take you out. Part of identifying the real enemy involves understanding how Satan works. And much like, much like an enemy, a, a, an opponent, a soldier that you're fighting, that one soldier can't be, can't be everywhere. I mean, you're, you're fighting that soldier, maybe you're hand-in-hand combat. That soldier can't be multiple places at once. Only God can do that. Only God can be multiple places at once. He's what is called omnipresent. Satan is not created to be omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. Now, he does have a third of the angels from heaven that followed him and was cast down from heaven. He has a third of the angels. We don't know what that number is, but I would imagine it's got a lot of zeros behind it. And so he can't be everywhere, but he is in a lot of places between him and his demonic angels. So he can't be right there with you all the time. And in fact, you might be thinking, man, I'm just, I'm fighting the devil, I'm fighting the devil. I mean, I guess there could be some times when the devil himself is, is, is around you, and you might, I'm not, because obviously we see that in scripture. Or you could be fighting an, an, an angelic being, a demonic being, you, you could be, absolutely. But most often, you and I are fighting the weapons of the devil and his angels. It's almost like a biological weapon, okay? So like when you're, when you're fighting uh, an enemy, when one country fights another country, you know, a lot of times it's really the weapons that you're defending yourself against. And, and sometimes those weapons are, are, are pretty massive. It's almost like a biological weapon that is contagious and affects many, many people. That's the weapons that Satan has crafted over the years and is using to defeat us. 
So what are some spiritual weapons used by Satan to take out our family? I want to focus on four today. There are four weapons that I want us to look at that I think are coming into your home. And again, you're not fighting kids. You're not fighting your parents. I know it may seem like you're fighting your parents. Parents, you're not fighting your kids. You're not. Well, you might be, but you shouldn't be. Uh, husband, wife, you, you're not fighting one another. There, there, is some, there is some weapons that has been used by the enemy that has entered your home, and we need to identify those. And then we will see later how to defeat that. So number one weapon is deception. The weapon of deception. And I would encourage you, if you have our, our mobile app, you can actually look on the notes on our, on our church app, and you can look down there and on the more tab and then go to notes, and you can actually send those to yourself. But all these are in there. Obviously, they're on the screen, and they're on those who are listening online right now. But the, the weapon of deception, it basically means you've been tricked. You've been tricked. You've been deceived. Satan's been doing this since the beginning of time. We see this in Genesis 3.13. We see this where it says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, which is Eve, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. He's been deceiving since Genesis chapter 3. He's been deceiving, and he is still on the attack. Some examples. With, with the temptation of sexually explicit images, Satan has deceived wives that they are not wanted and are not beautiful anymore. These all, also, these sexually explicit images, Satan has deceived men in thinking there is another place you can find fulfillment. Another example, with the temptation of social media, Satan has deceived students in thinking people don't really like them the way they are and that you need to be fake in order to have friends. He's been deceiving our students, our kids. He's been deceiving them. With the temptation of competitive sports, Satan has deceived families in thinking they too can be a sports star with a scholarship if they sold their soul to the team rather than save their soul at the church. And we're not against traveling sports team. In fact, we, were, we, we started this church in, in conglomeration with Lake Point Sports. Okay, we've had events out at Lake Point Sports, our, our sunrise service, we've had people out there, we've had people in this, in this church services, we've had chapel services out there. People make a point to do that. But the vast majority of people, unless they have a game at the same time, they use that excuse, you know what? We're out of town. We can skip out. Even though our game's out till 3 o'clock, we can skip out. You know, that's the reason why Lake Point Sport, or Lake Point Church, one of the reasons why we, we formed in partnership with them to give people an understanding and option that there is a church and there's no excuse. And it's not just our church. There's plenty of churches around 
all the ball fields, around all the indoor gymnasiums around the country. There are churches nearby. And so, but Satan has deceived us. Satan has deceived many, many families in thinking, oh, my son and my daughter can, can be a sports star or a scholarship. We just got to keep chugging after it. It's just a season. It's just a season we're in. It's just a season, and that season lasts forever and ever, and, and, and it seems like, and then the problem is the child who's in that, when they leave, they're in that same habit of not being a part of a church family. And so Satan has deceived us. And it makes me just want to go to Satan himself. And by the way, I encourage you to pray, to to talk to Satan during your prayers. It's okay to talk to Satan. Jesus did. You could talk to the devil. Devil, you're not welcome here. I see your deception. And it takes an intentional glance towards how your kids, your wife, your husband, your whole family is being affected by the deception, the lies of Satan. And you need to call him out on that. And you say, I see, devil, what you're doing, and you need to stop, and we are going to do everything we can in the name of Jesus for it to stop. So, again, The weapon of deception used by Satan is the enemy. It's not your kids. It's not your spouse. Students, it's not your parents. They're just being deceived. So deception, number two. Number two weapon is distractions. I loved how Joe Salvatore, our student minister, already kind of talked a little bit about distractions. God put that on his heart as, as a prelude to this. You know, Jesus explains some of the, the distractions uh, in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. In this parable, he says, Still others, like seed sowed among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So we have worries. We have deceitfulness of wealth, there's deceit, and the desires. I, I, I love this, this different uh, sort of commentary, modern commentary uh, from the message. It says this in the same chapter and verse of Mark. The seed cast in the weeds represents the one who hear the kingdom, news, but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they have heard, and nothing comes of it. Doesn't that sound like your life sometimes? I'm going to read that last part. When I read this, this, this different uh, commentary or, or translation of this, it, it just made me go, is he writing about me? Because that describes me in this life of, of being distracted. But the... But, They're overwhelmed. I'm going to put my name in there. But Frank is overwhelmed with worries about all the things he has to do and all the things he wants to get. Put your name in there. Does that describe you as well? Students, does that describe you? It's easy to get distracted by the worries 
and, and things that consume us to the point to where, like weeds, it chokes out the word of God in our hearts. We get so distracted with things. And the distractions that we see in the palm of our hand are things that, and, and it could be used for good, absolutely. You, I mean, some of you are using this right now to read, to read your Bible. That's awesome, to take notes. Some of you are using this right now to listen to our service online, and that is great. But how often do these devices become a distraction? So much so that we, we don't really pick up what is in God's word and spend time on that. And it chokes out what is in our hearts from God's words. So some examples, with the temptation to be accepted, students will get distracted with all the devices to point to the point that they lose sight of their true identity. You know, students, students, it, it, you see students all the time that they're confused about their identity. Let me, let me tell you something, students. You, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have your identity in Jesus. You need to place your identity in Christ. And the more that you remove the distractions and the more that you uh, come together in, with other believers and through Bible teaching and prayer, the more that you understand who you are. There's so many students confused about who they are. And the reason is they're distracted. They are distracted. With the temptation of feeling needed and important, Satan has distracted us by being overcommitted to certain things that pull us away from growing in our faith and our family. You know, we want to feel important. We want to feel needed. And so we, we're all part of these different groups and, and, and everything. And so we, we overcommit ourselves. I have done that. I probably need to roll off of a few boards I'm on right now and put some things aside. It's so easy to do that. But if we have our identity in Christ, we, it doesn't care how, what, what others think of us. It, we, it doesn't matter if they think we're important or not because we are important in the eyes of Jesus Christ. We are important to God, our Father, who's looking down from heaven and is cheering us on. With the temptation of discontent, Satan has distracted us to do whatever it takes and work as many hours as possible to have what we desire. This will eventually replace the desire to guard our families. And I just want to tell Satan, Satan, just, I see you're using the weapon of distraction. You're using the weapon of distraction against me, against my, my wife, against my kids, against our family. You're using this as a distraction, and it's causing us not to talk to one another. It's causing us not to read God's word together. And you need to call Satan out on it, and you need to do something about it. The, uh, so again, the weapon of, of distraction used by Satan is a real enemy. It's not your parents, kids. It's not your spouse. 
It's not your children. Uh, third one, discouragement. Satan will use a weapon of discouragement in your family. Now, I believe, I believe discouragement is one of the most powerful weapons used by Satan because it can ultimately lead to apathy, despair, and even depression. If we allow discouragement to linger and to hang around, it's going to lead to apathy. I mean, in our small group this week, several of us parents said, okay, we check out. (laughs) We're done. We're done. Because of discouragement. Discouragement. And discouragement, when we allow that to enter into our homes, it can have grave consequences of our family. Students, let me talk to you just real quick. Students, when, we, when you don't have respect of your parents, when you don't obey your parents over and over and over and over again, you don't give them some sort of, you know, time or respect to them, it discourages the parents. So I want to encourage you, students. I want to encourage you to to do more in your heart, obviously to please, to walk and please the Lord. And if you please God, be a God pleaser like we talked about previous sermon, then you're going to naturally have more obedience have more respect, and really, it's about love. It's about love. And so, but when that doesn't happen, you cause discouragement to come into the parent's heart. Students, I know many of y'all have, have been discouraged in life. Maybe you come home and, you, and you've had a bad test grade, or maybe you didn't make the team, or, or maybe there's some friends who are kind of spreading some bad stuff about you, and you're really, really discouraged. That's how sometimes as parents we feel when you don't respect, and, and just really, when you don't love us through the love of Christ. Again, you want to fall in love with Jesus. You want to please the Lord. You want to be a God pleaser. And an overflow of that is you're going to have love for your parents. And when you do have love of your parent, for your parents, you encourage them. You don't discourage them. You know, Suzanne, my wife, can come home completely discouraged from teaching first graders, wondering if she's really making a difference. You know, I, and you probably don't want to know what sometimes goes in the head of your pastor on certain Sundays and events and all that stuff. Discourage, discourage. You know, um, even, even before the service started, even this morning, just thoughts of discouragement kept going into my head. The enemy was having his way. And, and, and I was, I, for some whatever reasons, weird happenings this morning, I had to, like, go back home twice in your Harley, make a trip. And the whole way I was, like, up there for the first trip, I was like, ugh, I was Christian cussing, so it's okay. 
But I asked my wife to pray for me, and then on my second trip, God said, all right, all right, bro, it's time for you to, uh, to practice what you preach. So I had, a, I had a talk with the devil. I said, devil, you know, you're not going to have victory today. You are not going to plant that weapon of discouragement in my heart. Because let me tell you something. There's people here at this church today and listening online, they need to listen. They need to hear this message. And you are not going to get in the way in the name of Jesus. And I was yelling. The car next to me sitting at the red light probably thought I was a little loony. But I was yelling. You know, sometimes that's what it takes. Parents, students, you got to call Satan out for what it is. It's a weapon he's using. Yeah, things are going to happen. You're not going to make the team. You're going to make bad grades. Parents, your, your, your kids are not going to obey you all the time. Yet, you know, your, your spouse may work late. They may be out of town. There's going to be things. But Satan will use natural things in your life and say, oh, look what's happening in their life. Send that weapon of discouragement to her heart, to his heart, to that kid's heart. You, you got to reflect that back to the enemy, back to Satan. What I love is when discouragement happens, we have a God who is there to see us. We, I love this in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You ever been crushed in spirit? Gosh, in our house, it happens on a weekly basis. Somebody but he is there. So it's not, it's not your kids, it's not your spouse, it's not your parents, it's the enemy, it's a weapon of discouragement. The last one is doubt. Doubt. Doubt is a very powerful weapon that can sneak into the strongest of homes. You know, it even, it even snuck into the heart of one of the disciples. One of the disciples, his name was Thomas, who walked with Jesus for three years, even doubted. In fact, his name, his nickname is Doubting Thomas. And so, when, when, when Jesus uh, died on the cross and rose up from the grave, a, a few days later, he appeared to some of the disciples, and all the disciples were there except for Thomas. So we find that conversation in John 20, 25. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Even though Jesus was there with them for three years of his life, but he he just didn't believe. And of course, later on in that passage, we find that Jesus does show up in another event. And this is obviously after the resurrection. And so he is showing Thomas all the scars. And so it can happen to even someone who walked with Jesus and got to know his heart. Has your family ever experienced doubt? Probably. Kids who are part of a blended family 
could experience doubt about their genuine love of a step-parent. Members of your family may, be, may experience doubt about their salvation. Parents may experience doubt to be that, that spiritual leader because of their past. Satan, Satan will make you think, parents, that you're not worthy because of what you've done in the past. And parents, I need to tell you something. You're not worthy, but Jesus is. You're not worthy, but Jesus is. You and I have the awesome privilege of being a spiritual leader to our kids. And through that, we have a life, we have a life where we are, where we are, um, where we can experience uh, God through our kids. And so, but Satan would do everything he can, Satan would do everything he can to let you know that you are not worthy. And you know what? You need to tell Satan. You know what, Satan? You're right. I'm not worthy, but Jesus is. And the Jesus who lives inside me can develop and disciple these kids. And I can disciple my wife. I can disciple, help disciple my husband. I can pray for my husband. I can pray for my wife. So, when we have to fight Satan's weapons, we need to make sure that we name the weapons. We need to make sure that, that we name them. I encourage you to have conversations with your family that identifies and names the weapons. For example, you may some, say something like this to, to, to one of your family members. I think you're being deceived by the enemy. I think we're, what we're seeing here is I think we're seeing a deception by the enemy, which is just a weapon. It's just a weapon. Or you may say, I think Satan is trying to distract you. We said that to our, some of our kids. Our kids get so distracted. I think Satan is trying to distract you. Rather than saying, hey, get up and do something. You're not doing anything, lazy bum. Okay, that's fighting the kid. What you need to say is you need to call out the, the weapon. Hey, I, I think Satan's trying to distract you. That's a, different, that's a different approach. Or you may say, don't let the enemy discourage you. Don't let the enemy discourage you. You know, if, you, if, if your kids aren't obeying, there's probably a reason why. And it's probably because they've just been hit by a weapon from the enemy. You need to identify what that weapon is. And you need to do something about it. You know, our, our weapons are spiritual weapons. Just like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 4. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what are those weapons, those powerful weapons? Number one. God's word, God's word. God's word is the sword. God's word is the power. Uh, many years ago, uh, when I was on the church staff and I was uh, part-time, it, it was, I think Madison was, was just a, a baby or a toddler and we, uh, we were part of a church, it's a, it's a, a big 
church, and we were, uh, we were doing these musicals, and so I, was, I, I played some of those roles just because I was on staff, and hey, you got to learn this, and, and so there's this one musical we did where I played the, the role of Peter, an apostle, and so I remember one scene where I was off stage, and, there, and, and Jesus, the guy who's playing Jesus and, and his other disciples and everything, they're on the stage, and it's the Garden of Gethsemane, and where the, the Roman soldiers come, and they, they take him away. Well, in, in one of the Gospels, it talks about Peter coming and chopping off the ear of, of one of the Roman soldiers. Well, that's my role. That's my job. Well, I was already on stage sleeping, you know, and so when the Roman soldiers came on, I, I, I realized that I had forgotten my sword backstage. So I was thinking, how am I going to chop this guy's ear off? I don't have anything. I have nothing. And, and it was actually something that was, was, was an important part of that scene. So I was thinking, what are you going to do? And so the, it just started clicking, you know, counting down five, four, three, and I was like, okay, I've got to do something because I've got to go right now. And so I just went over there and said, no, and I did the best karate chop that you've ever seen. You didn't know Mr. Miyagi was in the Garden of Gethsemane, did you? I felt like a fool. <laughs> you should have seen the face of the guy playing, Jesus, uh, playing the, the soldier who cut his ear off. He's like, really, dude? You know, but how many times do we try to use our hand instead of the sword? How many times do we try to just use something simple? And we've got the sword of God's word. We need to be using God's word. Do you know? And, and we have the, you have the power of, of a search engine to look at this. You can, whatever weapon that is coming against your family you can go to that and say, what are some scriptures about distraction? What, I mean, and, and Joe read some of those today. What are some, some uh, descriptions uh, of, of scripture about you know, despair and, and all of this stuff that, that Satan could be putting? You have got the words of God. Share that with your students. Share that with your kids. Share it with your spouse. Share that with your spouse um, another, another weapon we have is prayer. Prayer is the strongest of weapons. Now listen, I get people asking me to pray all the time. And I, I write it down, and that's why the prayer app, the prayer wall on our church app is huge. It's very important. And so I want to encourage you to use that. But there are many people who they will, they will just come to me and say, hey, I need you to pray. And I will. But can I tell you something? I want to encourage you, if you ask me or somebody else, and don't just always come to me, and I don't mind praying for you, of course, but get many people praying for you and follow up. Say, hey, dude, um, it's not working. Are you praying? Because I need you to continue praying. If, something, if, if prayer's not working, then you need to pray harder. You need to maybe fast and pray. Maybe you need to pray for a length of time. You need to get other people praying. You need, to, you need to follow up with them in prayers. You need to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to guard your family in prayer. I've shared this story uh, 
a couple of times before, a long time ago, but when Landon was just a, a toddler, we lived at a house, and it was a rickety fence, it was a privacy fence, and, and, but there was a couple of boards that weren't really sealed great, but I was like, you know, he's just a, he's just a toddler, but behind our house was, a, was another house that had a swimming pool, and my wife calls me at work, I was teaching, she goes, uh, guess where I found Landon today? I found him in the neighbor's yard by himself, by the pool. She goes, I think it's time for you to do something. You've been talking about taking that care of that fence. I think you need to do it. Scared me to death. Within a few hours, I had a team of men taking that fence down and putting a brand new one up. I did, I called the army. I did everything I could to get, I need guys to get, and, and here's the deal. I told them what was, what was happening. I told them what almost happened to our oldest son. I told them. And they're like, yeah, we're there. Share with people. Share with people what's going on. And I know there are certain situations that you don't wanna, I mean, and, and that's fine. That's okay, but share as much information as you can because if it's crucial, then you're gonna do everything you can to protect that in prayer. You're gonna build that fence, and if your prayers have holes in them, then the enemy, the weapons, can get by. Another one weapon you have is the name of Jesus. You have the name of Jesus. I love this in Philippians 2. Verse um, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I tell you something? You have a weapon in the name of Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, and you can call upon the name of Jesus, and you can talk to those things, you can defeat the weapons of, of the enemy, and you can say, in the name of Jesus. Some of you just need to walk around your house and start praying in the name of Jesus. You have to, and that's Okay. I'm not telling you to dress like a priest and holy water around. You don't have to do that. But what you could do is you can walk around in the name of Jesus and say in the name of Jesus in every bed bedroom and say, I, I know what you're up to. And let me tell you, because I know what you're up to, I'm ready to defeat you in the name of Jesus. You need to call on the name of Jesus. The very last one before we close. The very last weapon you have, well, there's... There's several other weapons, but the one I'm talking about today is your testimony. Your testimony. I love this in Revelation 12, 11. It says this, they triumphed over him, the devil, by the, by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So they triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the lamb, about the word of their testimony. Some of you have doubts in your life. You need to say, look, I'm a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, 
and I have asked him to be Lord of my life, and I live for him, and I have him inside of me. And yes, I was, I was this person, and now I'm someone new, and this is my testimony. There has been a change happen in my life. I shared, I think last week or the week before, that my kids don't really know my full testimony. And I need to begin sharing with them my testimony of how I got saved. And so you need to know your testimony. You can use your testimony against Satan and against the weapons. So folks, here in this room and listening online, you're fighting the wrong enemy. If, if they have a bed in your home, that's not the people you fight. That's not the people you fight. Students, stop fighting your parents. Uh, it, it's the enemy. It's Satan. Weapons. And parents and students, you need to talk about those weapons. Hey, I think you're being deceived. Hey, I think you have some discouragement. I think you're being attacked by the weapons of the enemy. Let them understand that. Because what that does, it gets it off, all of, off of them and puts it on something else and say, you know what? I think you're right. So let's go after it with God's word through prayer. You know, through the word of your testimony and obviously in the name of Jesus. So I encourage you this week, when you have a tendency to fight someone in your house, stop where you are and ask, Lord, what weapon are they using? Where can I find in scripture to defeat that? And who can I ask to pray with me in the name of Jesus?